The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Hey, well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Gabe, and I'm uh, blessed to be uh, the, I guess, the lead pastor here, um, as surprised as you are, and, uh, and uh, excited to, to share God's word with you uh, today. And so, so let's get going in that. Uh, we are in the, the final week of a, a little three-week series we've been doing called The Art of Neighboring uh, slash Love Where You Live. And the idea uh, behind the series is to, to really get good at loving our neighbors as ourselves, those that actually live near us. And, uh, and we're doing this, uh, just a reminder for those of you who maybe haven't been here, is we're doing this in partnership uh, with churches across the, the Austin area. So there's actually several hundred churches that are a part of this This. Uh, program this process right now. And what we're doing is is little series, but then come January, we'll do some public advertising. So you'll see billboards for the art of neighboring, for loving where you live. You'll hear radio ads. Uh, You'll probably see TV ads, social media ads. It'll be all over. Um, And the idea is that by spring 2016, uh, the church in the city of Austin, the the church of Jesus Christ, those of us who uh, belong to him, we want to host a conversation on what it is to be good neighbors uh, in this city. And it's not going to be one big conversation. It's going to be several thousand smaller conversations within our neighborhoods. And so we know that as the church, like, hey, if we want to actually do that, if we want to, uh, to host a conversation on what it is to be good neighbors, we have to actually be good neighbors, right? we got to actually practice what we preach. And so that's the idea behind this series is to really drill down what it is to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love those who live near us. And so that's been uh, the, the last three weeks. And so the first week we looked at uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that was kind of the, the basic outline. Pastor Barrett uh, shared God's word with us that day, and, and we looked at just what it is to actually care for our neighbors. What does that mean? And then last week we went through some of the barriers that get in the way of us doing that, that we have, you know, we're busy people, and it's awkward, and it's weird. And, and we just, it's, it's hard on how to push past those barriers and, and really know our neighbors so that we can love our neighbors. And so those first two weeks uh, were really about what we do. They're about like, hey, this is what it is to care for other people. This is what it is to do for other people. This last week is actually a little bit different. As opposed to it being about what we do, it's actually about what we receive. It's about learning how to receive from our neighbors. Because if we're actually going to have genuine relationships with people, it goes both ways, Right? It goes both ways. And so that's, that's what we're going for. Now, I say that, and I say, all right, so today we're going to talk about what it is to receive. And we think, like, man, that kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, someone gives you something, and you receive it. Like, it's not too hard. But here's the deal. Like, we live in an outrageously self-sufficient culture, Right? Like, especially in Texas, right? So, like, if, if I need a cup of sugar, I'm not going next door to ask my neighbor for a cup of sugar. I'm going to get in my car, drive to my HEB, buy a bag of sugar with my money that I earned from my job because I can take care of me and I can take care of mine, right? That's kind of how we think. That's, that's our way of doing things. And so there's actually an art to receiving from people. And in one sense, understand, like, we don't want to live parasitic lives. We don't want to just spend our days leeching off of other people. We want to contribute to others. We want to contribute to society. That, that makes sense. I'm for that. But in another sense, we have to realize that if we're going to have genuine relationships, if we're really going to connect with people, it's got to go both ways. We have to learn to receive. We have to learn to receive from others as well as give. And see, here's the deal. The, the reason why I think we have a hard time receiving is not because we don't need help. It's not because we don't want help. It's because we're too proud to receive it. we got too much pride inside of us to receive it. 
I know for me, uh, this is happening. Like, it's just hard to receive help from others. So when I first moved here uh, three years ago, uh, I came in, and, and I knew I was here to plant a church, and I knew I was here to plant a church in Leander. And so I was like, man, we're going to get the ball rolling. Like, let's just hit it hard. Uh, but before I could do that, I had to train uh, for about nine months at Axe Church down in Lakeway under, under Past- Pastor Pete Mueller, much like uh, Barrett is training with us and, and Adam as well. And, and so I went in, but, like, I was nowhere near as, as humble as they are uh, or as teachable because I'm just like, kind of an arrogant jerk. And so, so like, I, I went in, and, like, I just would, did not learn. I remember training at Lakeway was just so hard for me because, like, I had come from four years of, of super intense, intense theological study, and then I had had one year of an internship at this, this mega church in, in Minneapolis, and I, like, killed it there. Everything I touched turned into gold. And so I thought, like, hey, I'm going to come in, and I'm just going to go, and they can try to train me at this little church, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do, right? I'll just suffer through for these nine months and then get off doing things the way they're supposed to be done. And so you can imagine uh, with an attitude like that, I was a real treat to work with, right? Like I was just like, everybody loved working with me. Um, and, and, and so Pete would like try to teach me stuff. He'd try to invest in me and I'd just sort of buck him all the way. And I remember we had this moment where we were meeting with uh, the Axe Church Network Board. That's the church planning network that we're a part of. And, and I was meeting with the board and I was just throwing out all these ministry ideas. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And the board was just like, Gabe, like, shut up. Like, we're, we're just trying to, like, get, pass on some wisdom to you. We're just trying to share with you some of the things that we've learned as we've gone about doing this. And I just kept bucking up against them. And I actually got uh, pretty heated with, with one of the, the members of the board. And finally, at one point, another member of the board stepped in and said, listen, Gabe, like, you realize you signed on to work with us here, right? Like, like this is who we are. Like, this is what we do. And, and she was just like, so either, like, you can do it or, or you can leave. You know, like it was, it, was, it was kind of one of those ways. But see, I was too proud to receive any instruction. I was too proud to learn from others. And finally, uh, it was painful at the time, but, but God humbled me and he showed me how much I needed to learn. And he showed me how much I needed to receive. And, uh, and I tell you all that story in hopes that you can relate. Right? Like, it is hard to learn from other people. It just is. We have this natural tendency to say, I want to fix it. I can do it. It's hard to receive care from other people. Well, I don't want to be dependent. I don't want to be a burden on others. It's hard for us to be in a position of need and to actually receive from others. And that's all rooted in pride. But see, what Jesus shows us in our text for today is a different way. Jesus shows us a different way. He shows us a life in which we can actually receive from others. And he does that by demonstrating three truths, all right? So first of all, he shows us that when we receive, we give dignity to the other person. Secondly, when we receive, uh, we're able to give. You can't give unless you receive. And thirdly, the gospel teaches us how to receive, all right? So when you receive, you give dignity to the other. You can't give unless you receive. And then finally... In the gospel, we learn how to truly receive. Uh, So let's get going, all right? Receiving gives dignity. If you'd look with me at verses 36 through 38 in our text, if you have that open, uh, it says this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. 
All right, so here's Jesus. He's eating dinner at this Pharisee's house. He's a, a wealthy religious man, and this wealthy religious guy says, hey, Jesus is this new celebrity. He's kind of a big deal right now, so I'm going to invite him over to my house to hang out. And so he does that, and as that happens, a, a woman of the city, a sinful woman of the city comes in. Read prostitute is the word there, all right? So, so she comes in, and she shows up to see Jesus, and she brings with her an alabaster jar. And most scholars would say that this alabaster jar, this, this jar of perfume was incredibly expensive. And, and most scholars surmise that that was actually probably her retirement fund. That when she uh, reached a certain age and could no longer uh, give her services, if you will, her plan was to sell this really expensive jar of perfume and try to live off of that for the rest of her days. So that's the plan. So, so she shows up to do that. And so she comes in, and upon encountering Jesus... She just breaks down. She loses it, and she pours her retirement fund all over his feet. Now, this would be weird in, like, any culture, right? Like, this is an uncomfortable moment. Uh, but then she does something that takes it to a whole other level. She, she takes her hair down and wipes his feet with her hair. Now, in that culture, in that time, women didn't take their hair down unless they were in the bedroom. Like you just didn't do, I mean, I, I was reading a commentary where they said it's kind of the equivalent of like if a woman walked in topless in a public space. Like it was that sort of radical for that culture, that shocking for those people. And so you thought, you know, Thanksgiving with your family last year was awkward. Like this meal's at a whole nother level, right? Like real uncomfortable. And so on top of that, this lady does this in a Pharisee's house. Now, Pharisees were the, the pious of pious. They were leaders of a very strict Jewish sect that said, hey, you know what, man? It's not enough just to be holy. It's not enough just to do good things. Let's start treating our homes as if they're the temples of God. Let's start treating our tables as if it's the altar to God. And so they're in the Pharisee's house, in the holiest place in his house, and this lady comes in and takes her hair down. So it makes sense that he freaks out, right? That he gets terribly offended, and he says this. If you guys look with me at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, here's what's so interesting to me, is that this Pharisee, Simon is his name, uh, this woman comes into his house, but he doesn't get mad at the woman, right? He doesn't scold her. Who does he get mad at? He gets mad at Jesus. Why? Because Jesus allows his identity to be linked with this sinner. Jesus allows himself to be seen with this sinner, to be next to her. He says, man, if you were a holy guy, if you really knew what was what, you wouldn't allow that to happen. So he's all ticked off. So here this woman comes up and performs this incredibly scandalous act. And what's amazing to me is Jesus doesn't move away from her. Right? Jesus doesn't say, whoa, 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 hold up, weirdo. Right? Like this, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward. Like, let's just go talk outside. No, no, no. Jesus knows full well what this woman is doing. He knows full well how uncomfortable, how awkward this is, and yet he chooses to receive this gift from her. And when Jesus chooses to receive from this sinful woman, he gives her dignity. He gives her worth. It's as if he says to this woman, you have just as much right to give me your gift as this rich religious guy does to give me food. This, this Pharisee is no better than you are to give me something. 
You matter. You can actually contribute to me. When Jesus receives this gift from this woman, he gives this woman dignity. That's what happens when you receive from someone. When you receive from someone else, you give them dignity. You say, you're filling up what I was lacking. You're giving me something I didn't have before. Thank you. You matter. And see, people who work in the developing world know this. Uh, For example, next week we'll be sending a a team of people from our church and from our sister church, uh, Axe Church in Lakeway, uh, down to San Miguel, Guatemala, which is a a rural um, mountain village that we partner with down in Guatemala. Uh, But I remember a couple years ago, and when we first went down on an exploratory trip to Guatemala to figure out like where God would have us partner and where he would have us serve down there. And, and I remember we went to San Miguel, and it's just this tiny, poor little village in the mountains. And I remember we went there, and we went with our, our sending agency that we work with called Calms. And we met with the leaders of this village. And we sat down with them, our, our, our church and, and Calms. And, and we sat down with the leaders of the village. And the first question we asked them wasn't, what can we fix for you? The first question we asked them wasn't, hey, what can us smart, rich Americans do for you? How can we solve all your problems? That wasn't our first question. The first question we ask is, what resources do you have? What are are the strengths of this community? In other words, we said, hey, what are we going to learn from you? What are we going to receive from you? And now why do we ask that? Because we truly believe it's a partnership, and if it's truly a partnership, we need to expect to receive something from them. Of course, we go to this tiny, poverty-stricken village, and obviously there's physical needs, there's financial needs, there's spiritual needs. They're like, we know that, we know we're going in to do that. But listen, if it's truly a partnership, we need to go in and recognize that we need to receive. We need to learn what they're going to teach us. We need to learn what they're going to give to us. And see, if you don't go in with that posture, what is that? It's arrogant. It's paternalistic. It's dehumanizing. See, when you receive from another, you give them dignity. In the same way in your life, with your neighbors, those that live near you, got to learn to receive. If we practice the art of neighboring, it can't just be about doing a bunch of stuff. It's got to be about learning to receive. Because if we don't do that, we're actually robbing our neighbors of dignity. But not only that, truth too, You can't give unless you receive. You can't truly give unless you receive. Uh, So you recall, so Jesus receives this gift of perfume from this sinful lady, the Pharisee Simon. He starts freaking out. And so Jesus says, Simon, let me tell you a story. Let me just tell you a story. And so so Jesus tells Simon this story, verses 41 to 46. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Now, I love this part of the story, right? Simon the Pharisee freaks out, condemns Jesus, and Jesus responds to this guy's accusations. Jesus doesn't get defensive. Jesus doesn't defend his own actions, but he explains the woman's actions. And in doing that, Jesus tells this little parable. 
And in that parable, he shows Simon that he's more offended by what's going on in Simon's heart than what's going on in this woman's life. And then Jesus goes on to point out, I don't know if you caught this, he goes on to point out to Simon that he's the host who's not really a host, and that this woman has actually been the host, and she's not even a guest. It's amazing. Now, why is that? Why does Jesus point out, hey, I'm in your house, and yet she has been my host? Why was this woman such a generous host, and why was Simon such a stick in the mud? Here's why. You can't truly give if you don't receive. You see, this woman gave. She was able to be such a gracious host because she'd already received, right? The whole reason she's in this house is because she knows Jesus is there, and she's heard his message about how he's come for people like her, about how he's come for the lost and the broken and the outcast. I mean, just a chapter before he says, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the hungry for you will be satisfied. She's seen Jesus hang with her friends. She's seen Jesus love those who are far off. And she says, yes, I want a piece of that. I want to be with that guy. And so she's received this love that Jesus is so freely given. And that's why she's able to give to him. But Simon, man, Simon doesn't think he needs anything. He's got it all figured out. He's been following the rules. He does the right things, takes care of his lawn. He's doing all right, okay? And so he doesn't give. In order to truly give, you need to receive. Uh, One of my favorite authors lately is is a a gal by the name of Brene Brown. And uh, she wrote a book called Daring Greatly. And in it, she says this. Until we can receive with an open heart, we are never really giving with an open heart. When we attach judgment to receiving help, we knowingly or unknowingly attach judgment to giving help. Like, do you get that? Like, if when you refuse help from someone, you refuse to to receive from someone else, it's because I don't want to be perceived, I want to be perceived as self-sufficient. I want to be perceived as someone who's going to take care of myself or whatever it is. And so you put yourself in a place so that whenever you give, you're saying, well, that's the person who's below me. That's the person who actually needs, not like me. I've been able to take care of myself. But see, if we learn to receive, then we can actually give. It was really hard to live into. It's actually a really hard concept to live into. I mean, one of the biggest challenges I run into as a pastor, I get to meet with people all the time. I get to try and help them. And one of the biggest challenges I have is trying to convince people to actually receive the help they need. Well, Pastor, I just wouldn't want to be a burden. I just wouldn't want to drag in. I'm telling you, like, no, you need to receive this help. And do you know why? Like, if you just let your guard down a little bit, if you just let your pride down for a moment, if you just received this help for a little bit, you'd actually be empowered to give. You'd actually be empowered to serve others. But instead, you're just stuck here refusing to receive help. It's actually selfish to not receive. I remember about a year ago, uh, we did a, a love offering at our church, which is something we do uh, periodically. And, and basically what happens is a family will come to us in need, and we say, all right, you know, we're the church. God calls us to, to love the poor in our midst, and so we do that. And, uh, and so at any rate, this one Sunday we did a love offering, and it was a big one. And I remember there was a, a family that was there for the, the first time, first time they, they'd worshipped with us. And on the way out, the father of the family came up to me, and he introduced himself, and he gave me his number, and he said, Hey, Pastor, uh, listen, if, if there's anything lacking in the love offering for that family, would you just call me up and let me know, and my, my family will make up the difference. And I said, Okay, sure. 
and didn't think anything of it. And then uh, we did the final count on the love offering, and it was a big one. And we were like $1,000 short. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, like, I'm not going to call this guy who, like, it was his first Sunday with us and be like, hey, can you drop a G for this family you don't know through this church that you've just been to once? I'm like, I'm not going to do that. It's like, but I'll call and I'll, just, I'll, do, it, I'll do it real smooth like. And I'll just be like, hey, you know, it's a lot, but if you want to help chip away at it, that'd be really nice, you know, maybe throw a hundo, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and so, so I call this guy up and I just say, hey, you know, it's just, it's too much. Uh, it's a lot. And, and so if you just want to help out a little bit, he goes, how much is it? I said, well, it's, it's $1,000. Without missing a beat, he goes, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. And that next Sunday, brought a check, boom, taken care of. Now, since then, that family's joined our church. I've gotten to know their story a little bit. And, and here's the reality. Several years ago, they found themselves in a similar situation. They found themselves in dire straits where they had to rely on the help of others. They had to rely on the support of others. And so they've told me, they said, whenever that comes up, we want to be able to give back to those because we've received You see, that's how it works. You can't truly give unless you've first received. And some of you say, well, I've never been in like financial straits like that. I've never been in in physical need like that. So I I don't know what you're talking about here, Gabe. That's fine. See, the gospel teaches us how to receive. When we understand the gospel, we understand that we start from the beginning as, as beggars. That we first receive, and that's how we go forward in this world. That we start with nothing And we go forward after we've received God's grace. Look with me uh, at this text, 47 to 50. Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisee, and he says this. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now notice what happens here, right? Jesus says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And then he speaks to the woman and he says, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. Now, I love this story because you can tell this woman didn't grow up in 21st century America. Right? Because when Jesus says to her, your sins, which are many, are forgiven, she didn't say, my sins are forgiven. What sins? Right? I live by my own moral standard. I make my own rules. Who are you to forgive my sins? Right? She doesn't say, my sins are forgiven. I don't need my sins to be forgiven. Everybody makes mistakes, right? But it's part of the journey, not the destination. I just need to love myself a little more, watch a little bit more Oprah. Why are you forgiving my sins? I don't need that. No, no, no. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and she receives it. She simply receives his forgiveness. She simply receives his grace. Why? Because she knows she needs it. And I'd ask you the same question. Do you know that you need it? Do you know that you need to receive God's grace? That's not like an optional thing. That it's a place where we are in desperate need of his grace coming to us. So uh, one of the most transformative books for me... um, really my college years, was, was a book called Blue Like Jazz uh, by Donald Miller. I've recommended it to some of you, I'm sure. A few of you have, have read it as well. Uh, and in this book, Miller has a chapter in which he talks about grace and why he has such a hard time receiving it. And I just want to uh, read a little bit of it for you. He writes this. For a very long time, I could not understand why some people have no trouble accepting the grace of God, while others experience immense difficulty. 
I counted myself as one of the ones who had trouble. It was too easy. I wanted to feel as though I earned my forgiveness, as though God and I were buddies doing favors for each other. And so, so Miller goes on in this chapter, and he talks about how he first sort of realized what his issue is with grace, why he has a hard time receiving it. And he tells a story about how he was on a road trip, and he stopped at a convenience store. And he's at this convenience store, and he's standing in line. And in front of them is, is this woman uh, who has to pay for her food with food stamps. And this is the first time he'd ever seen anyone have to do that. It was before they had the card, right? So she's got the actual stamps. And, uh, and he said it was super awkward. Like, he was like, I, I, I wanted to do something. And I could tell that the, the cashier sort of didn't know what to do. And she was sort of fumbling through on how to, how to help this lady out. And he's like, and I just wanted to step in and pay for it, but I thought that'd make it a bigger mess. And then he goes on to, to write this out. He says, I wonder what it'd be like to live on food stamps for months. And he writes this. I wonder how that would feel, standing in line at the grocery store, pulling from my wallet the bright currency of poverty, feeling the probing eyes of the customers as they studied my clothes and the items in my cart, frozen pizza, name brand milk, coffee. I would want to explain to them that I have a good job and make good money. And then he hits the nail on the head with this next line. We'll have it on the screen. It says this, I love to give to charity, but I don't want to be charity. This is why I have so much trouble with grace. Love to give to charity, but I don't want to be charity. This is why I have so much trouble with grace. You see, friends, like, this is the real issue, right? We, we equate receiving grace from God as, as being lowly, as being needy, because we can't do it on our own. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to stand up on our own. But here's the deal. This is what the gospel says. You can't fix you. You can't figure it out on your own. You actually need God's grace. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. It's not going to work. You need God's grace. And so that's why God, in his mercy, sent Jesus Christ. That he went and lived the perfect life that you could not. And he died the death that you deserve. And that just like this woman, as you put your faith in him, as you put your trust in him, you receive his forgiveness. You receive God's grace. It's only in humility that we receive God's grace. It's only when you're willing to stop being self-sufficient for one second and just fall at Jesus' feet and receive his word of grace. And so if you've been too proud to receive God's grace, if you've been too busy just taking care of stuff on your own, you don't need him, you don't need his forgiveness, you don't want it, we just stop. Just repent. Receive his grace that he would give to you. And some of you, I know you have a problem because you say, hey, I, I, I get that game, but I don't, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. Would you just see what Jesus did? That he went to the cross for you, that you're totally worth it to him? That he loves you that much? Would you please just receive the grace that God has for you in Jesus? Let's receive that so that we can learn to give to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just give you thanks and praise for this day. Lord God, teach us to receive from you. Teach us to receive from others. Teach us to have hearts of humility. 
to have postures where we, we don't think we have to have it all together or we don't think we need to have all the answers, but that we can actually receive what you've first given to us in our Savior Jesus. Be with us this week, Lord. Help us to be good neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.